When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast for teachers grade sports' biggest issues. This week, the NFL is back. We take a look back and grade some of the performances over the weekend that was. But first, let's hit some gold stars and detentions. First gold star goes to Mr. Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend. And this gold star is for the all-time great speech from the all-time great. Bosch was witty, sincere, and thoughtful the whole time. But what really stuck out was the messaging. Bosch asked us, the audience, to turn our setbacks into strengths. Bosch has had several notable setbacks throughout his career, but none bigger than the one that ultimately ended it. Chris Bosch, if you remember, was forced to either retire or risk suddenly dying at any point while playing due to his blood clots and heart conditions. Now, Bosch is entering his post-basketball career and life, and his setback, having his career cut short at 31 years old, is setting him up for great success. He's funny, he's smart, he's witty, he's in the social media spaces and the audio platforms. Go out there and check out what Chris Bosch is doing. But shout out to Chris Bosch for an inspiring speech. Second gold star goes to Russell Westbrook, not necessarily for an outfit that I would wear, but for the confidence to wear said outfit. This gold star is entirely for that confidence. It's not that we had any inclination that Russell Westbrook was lacking in confidence, but Westbrook flashed it over the weekend when he posed for a photo shooting in what I'm going to call a long skirt. Uh, the skirt set the internet and weirdos into a tizzy. How can you simultaneously say the guy can't wear a skirt and 
be so cognizant and paying attention to another guy's fashion. That just strikes me as something that's kind of weird in the wrong way, and I'm not sure I feel about that. But I feel like you should be minding your own business. Anyways, it sent the internet and weirdos into a tizzy, but Westbrook was so, so confident about it while he was heading to New York Fashion Week. Shout out to Russell Westbrook for having the gall to quote Kendrick Lamar as he coordinated the posts across his social media. Shout out to Russell Westbrook, gold star for confidence. First detention goes to Trey Young. Look, I'm not a big wrestling guy. Listeners to the show know that. My old partner in crime, Shaka, had all of that covered. But there's one thing I do know, and that's Trey Young should not try and make scenes in New York City, period. Even fake wrestling scenes where he is the very obvious villain. He's the constant villain, and frankly, he's really good at being an actual villain. But he's not a villain like, ha-ha. He's a villain like he rips the city's heart out in the first round of the playoffs after a surprising year. A detention to Trey Young because you got to understand your role in this situation. You're a real villain. No need to fake it. Second detention and last detention goes to Brandon Bell of the San Francisco Giants. Listen, this is just whack all the way around. I don't know how to make any sense of what Brandon Bell did over the weekend. First, the captain seeing itself that is on jerseys is kind of its own whack, right? You know how you look like a captain? It has nothing to do with your uniform. You just act like a captain. You walk, talk, and carry yourself as a leader. Some teams do choose to publicly honor their guys with a C on their uniform. I guess that's kind of their prerogative. The NFL has done it across the whole league, so I guess at least it's like kind of uniform in the league there. But no captain when behaving like a captain, would ever do what Brandon Belt did over the weekend, where he used electrical tape to post a very flimsy fake C on his own jersey, on his own, without talking to the franchise. That's not even Little League. That's not even Bush League. That's just awful. So detention to Brandon Belt. Okay, so we're going to try what I'm calling a one-take show. That is, we won't have the editing we normally have. This is Monday night. I am recording this as I am watching the Monday Night Football game all at one time to get this out to you on a Tuesday. We'll have to push it with the sounds and music and obviously, but each segment is just recorded, downloaded, plugged in. Let us know how that goes. If you like that, maybe we'll do it more often. If you don't like that or if this doesn't go well, maybe we won't. As for the content today, we had a full weekend of the NFL, lots of things from the weekend to grade, so it's time to get to it. Our first grade from the opening weekend of the NFL is for Jalen Hurts. We're actually suggested to grade Jalen Hurts' performance before the games even started on Sunday. And I'm going to be honest, I give Jalen Hurts an A minus, and I think it's pretty obvious why. Okay, so for new folks of the show, this is and has always been a very, very pro Jalen Hurts podcast. Back when Shaq and I did the 2020 NFL Draft, I was high on him. Last season, with Carson Wentz, I was high on him. And after week one this year, I'm still pretty high on him. (laughs) Hurts had a beautiful touchdown to Smith early in the game. He kept poise over the rest of the game. What really separates him and makes him so valuable for Philadelphia is how well he moves in the pocket. He always has busy feet, what we call as coaches, chattering feet in the backfield. He does a great job of evading defenders behind the line of scrimmage. But what stood out today or on Sunday was the fact that those feet moved the same and his eyes stayed downfield. He wasn't like fleeing for his life. Sure, he was flushed from side to side, 
but he was sacked just one time for a three-yard loss. Hertz finished the game with 77% completions, 264 yards, and three touchdowns. That's pretty strong for someone that gets called pejoratively a running quarterback, especially one who has such a young receiving core. Hertz did come out to an A- for me, as high as I am on him. Not because he wasn't spectacular, he was great, but because there were a couple of throws that left meat on the bone. The one that sticks out the most was the deep wheel route to Zach Ertz. Ertz was screaming down in the open field on the sideline, wide open, no one around him, could have scored a touchdown if he led him the right amount. Uh, but he had to stop to come back to the ball suddenly for an underthrown ball. It was actually technically a drop, uh, but they got the next snap off really quickly and it never got reviewed and so on. So we're counting as a catch. But part of that play and part of the reason that was not a touchdown frankly is that Hertz was being young and didn't get the ball down the field fast enough but part is he also needs to know his limitations if he's going to let that ball fly he's got to let it fly a lot earlier and what will probably go down as the most obvious grade of the day our next player up to be graded from the weekend is Chandler Jones and yes Chandler Jones gets an A plus imagine that Listen, for those who don't understand how crazy Chandler Jones' weekend was, Chandler Jones had five sacks in a single football game. Listen, five sacks is a good season. Only 58 defensive players last season had more than five sacks on the year all year. Romeo Okawara had the 10th most sacks last year, and he had just 10 in 16 games. After a single game, Chandler Jones is halfway there. TJ Watt led the league in f- with 15 sacks in 16 games. Chandler Jones is on track, in air quotes, to be there before October. Chandler Jones initially wanted out of Arizona this summer when reports were he wanted to have his contract extension before playing another down, and there was a dispute over money and those kind of things, and those kinds of things happen. Players do this all the time, and it makes sense, especially in the NFL. They risk getting hurt if they go out there, stay with the contract done before they do all of that. But after last Sunday, it may be the Cardinals who wish they gotten the deal done. Chandler's five sacks come with two forced fumbles, leading to 14 points for the Cardinals. In itself, that would have won the game Sunday 14-13. For the folks at home, if you're a defensive end or a football player in general that can directly attribute your impact on the game to statistically winning the game on your own, I'd call that a pretty good day at the office. A-plus to Chandler Jones. Nothing negative to say about that guy. Next up to be graded is a Houston Texans quarterback, but not the one that's been in the news a lot lately. Yes, that's right. We'll be talking about Tyrod Tygod Taylor. I give Tyrod Taylor a B on the weekend for the Houston Texans. I will say there are aspects of the Houston Texans that surprised me, but Tyrod's going to Tyrod, and so I, I give him a B on the weekend. Let's break it down. All right, so the last time we heard from Tyrod Taylor on the football field, he had a poorly injected needle into his chest, and future Rookie of the Year Justin Herbert came in to replace him and never really looked back. That's really just unfortunate, right? Like, we don't know what kind of a year Tyrod could have had in that same offense next to Eckler and so on because of how great a year Justin Herbert ended up having. L.A. Chargers incident aside, the intrigue in the Tyrod Taylor comeback season is in large part because of who else is in the Texans quarterback room. Deshaun Watson was listed on the injury report but said 
report clarified that it was, quote, not injury-related, whatever that means. I don't know how you're on the injury report, but it's not injury-related, but whatever. Instead, it's related to his trade request and probably also has something to do with the 22 civilian suits and 10 criminal complaints filed leading to the ongoing NFL, Houston PD, and FBI investigations. But I digress. In his absence... Tyrod Taylor played very well on Sunday. Taylor completed 21 passes for 290 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Sure, they just beat, air quotes, the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they ended Sunday atop their division. After beating the Jags, the Colts lost to Seattle, and the Titans were demolished by Arizona, Houston is sitting at 1-0 and atop the division. That's really, really strong. I don't think you could have convinced any Houstonian a week ago that there'd be any point this year that they'd be atop the division, and here they are. Taylor, for a guy who hasn't played a game in like two years, looked pretty poised. He finished off, uh, he finished over the top on the run, he protected the football, and his short passing game was used very effectively. The not necessarily dink, dive, and dunks, but the underneath routes where the, he's had receivers run off the defense and can complete the stuff underneath them into little pockets was really, really effective. He didn't make necessarily big-time highlight plays, but he didn't make mistakes. Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, and Jacksonville did all the mistake-making for him. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right. So if there is a single player on this list that gets me in trouble with people on Twitter, it's probably the next one. But I've got to grade the people I've got to grade. You don't pick the students in class. You just give them grades based on their performance. The next grade goes out to Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. And I'm going to end up giving Josh Allen a C- minus on the weekend. I need to preface this. I do not dislike Josh Allen. I know that most of Buffalo Bills Mafia and Buffalo Bills Twitter and Josh Allen stands across the globe feel like any negative thing said about Josh Allen is hatred of Josh Allen, but that's not necessarily where I'm coming from. I like big running quarterbacks. Frankly, I like small running quarterbacks. I like fast, slow, awkward, agile, any kind of running quarterbacks. I like that aspect of the game. But man, after watching Josh Allen play on Sunday, I've got a lot of questions. For starters, the question I had coming into the season still lingers. Uh, My question was, 
if he was going to regress to his career means or if he'd continue the growth from last season. And by his career means, I don't just mean the year before. I mean both of his prior NFL years, his time at Wyoming, even dating back to his prep days in high school, he was a very different quarterback than we saw in his almost MVP run last year. In his first two years in Buffalo, specifically, he was a 52 and 58% passer. Last year, he was nearly 70% completions. What Allen are we going to get this season? In the first two years, he threw 32 combined touchdowns. Last season, he threw for 37 in a single year. What is it going to be like for him this year? In game one of the 2021 season, after a 30 of 51 passing, one touchdown game, it feels like the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. And on the whole, that's probably reasonable, right? It's not foreseeable that he actually continues the growth at the rapid pace he had last season, but it also doesn't make sense that he'd go back completely to the first two years guy either. Something from that has to stick. On the whole, that is reasonable, but Buffalo probably needs the guy from last season. If Allen isn't playing at an MVP level, they're really just an okay football team. And on Sunday, Josh Allen was not an MVP. He looks confused at times, but what the Pittsburgh Steelers defense was doing. Many of his incompletions were dump-offs and throwaways. Uh, TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward were making sure he couldn't get comfortable in the pocket, and that really caused a problem because he's very upright, and while he is mobile, he's not like a low leaner, and he's not agile. He's more straight-line, run-you-over type speed until he gets ahead of steam going. I had no idea going into the game that they'd be able to make him that uncomfortable, and that's what I would be worried about as Buffalo Bills fans. It's not that Pittsburgh will not be a good football team this year. I actually think that they may end up being okay. The issue is really more that Josh Allen has to look better individually, and he can't be rattled back there. He looked rattled for the first time in about 18 months. Even after all that, he didn't need a lot more to win the football game, and so that's why he ends up at a C-, is that truthfully, he could have played like that and had one or two breaks gone their way, maybe Buffalo gets a stop here or turnover there, etc. on defense, he might have ended up coming out on the other side of that football game, and instead, he did not. All right, so it is time to grade our first team of the day. Yes, you've probably guessed it at this point, the first team and the best team I can think of to give a overall team grade to on the weekend is the San Francisco 49ers. After that game, they get a C minus. We're talking a 70, the lowest passing grade possible. Now, San Francisco got a 70, the lowest passing grade possible. They did win the game. As much as it looked like at times, they might not. But they did. They did win the game, and that's why they passed. I get that Trey Lance is a rookie. But part of this low grade comes from that they need to get him more snaps. Truthfully, even in more like Taysom Hill type of packages, Trey Lance is too good of an athlete to be on the sideline as much as he was, especially when he's shown he can handle being behind center in an NFL football game. We saw Chicago do it with Justin Fields for part of their game on Sunday night. Again, we've seen New Orleans do it with Taysom Hill for years 
if you've got a mobile guy and you're maybe not ready to completely start him and throw him to the wolves, you still need to get him in the game. Second, and the part that I think everyone is keyed in on here, the 49ers had a 28-point lead and took their foot off the gas. Generally speaking, a 28-point lead with 22 minutes to go is enough. I think that's the case in most sports, but it certainly is in football. You run the clock, you play prevent, you keep them at the end zone, you go home, you have a good time watching the night game. But the defense let up three different Lions scoring drives that were each under four minutes, one of which came after an onside kick after a previous under four minute scoring drive. That's bad. That's like real bad. Like really, really, really bad. Perhaps this is more about how new look Jared Goff and the you know kneecap eating Dan the Man Campbell are functioning in Detroit. Maybe this is the randomness of things like that onside kick, a few lucky deep balls or whatever. But it just doesn't feel like that. When Debo Samuel's fumbled with a minute left to play, it just felt like San Francisco was fumbling the game away. If you'd have told me in that moment that San Francisco lost the game, I think everyone watching it would have bought it. I don't think there's any way to think of that as a win, even if technically it was on the scoreboard. It felt like after a flurry of touchdowns in the game, they just didn't have enough. Even though they had so much to start the game that it ended up being enough, it just didn't feel like enough. It felt like Detroit just ran out of time. San Francisco did hold on and pass this week, but man, that's barely passing. And I'm not even going to break down the schematics of it because, frankly, they need to get back to the drawing board and hope for a better week next week. All right, now it is time for a grade that listeners will know is near and dear to my heart. It is time to grade Dak Prescott's return performance last Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And while I have lots of coulda, woulda, shoulda moments as a Cowboys fan from that game, what I will say is Dak Prescott gets an A. Yes, that's right, folks. Dak Prescott gets an A. Dak is back. Last Thursday, Dak Prescott was electric. Even a year removed from a gruesome leg injury, he showed off his mobility. He was confident in the pocket. He delivered the ball well. He led the Cowboys up and down the field. Again, a year ago, he shattered his lower leg. Dallas may be better, may need to be better, I should say, on defense, or maybe not. Unless they've had a complete 180, their entire season is going to rely on Dak Prescott, whether or not the defense is any good or not. Thursday night, Dak took the part and ran with it. Uh, he looked like he took the defending champs with all 22 returning starters to the brink, and they had a lead in the final two minutes of the football game. Unlike earlier in his career, Dak couldn't rely on the same run game as Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, people are pointing the fingers at Zeke and McCarthy and this, that, and the other thing. I would actually attribute a lot of that to what Tampa Bay does on defense. Vito Vea is that guy right I don't think he gets enough credit as an interior defensive lineman but consistently fantasy running backs do poorly the week they play Vita Vea and for me and my fantasy team that was Ezekiel Elliott last week I digress that is to say that without that running game 
Dak Prescott had to be even better than average Dak Prescott. And he was, right? Dallas's run game is a non-factor, so Dak Prescott goes for 400 yards and three touchdowns through the air. Uh, he did it backed up in his own end zone in an empty backfield with a strike to Amari Cooper. He did it in traffic across the field to Michael Gallup on a slant. He did it on the sprint out both directions. He did it in the pocket. He did it with pressure. He did it on the run. He did it every way possible. He did it whenever Dallas needed him to do it. Dak was not the only A in the Thursday night football game to open up the season, but he might have been the only A for Dallas, which says a lot considering Dallas gave the champs all that they could handle. And again, Dallas did have a lead with about a minute and a half to go. That's too much time for Brady, and that's a separate piece for a separate conversation for a later date. I'll let Shaq come back someday maybe and talk all the time Brady he wants. But for now, Dak Prescott's performance individually does net him an A. All right, so this second to last grade is going to be short, sweet, and to the point. The LA Rams played on Sunday night against the Chicago Bears, and the LA Rams as a team come off with an A minus. Yes, you heard that right, an A minus. So the LA Rams got an A minus, and it's simple. Stafford works. He was precise, he was on time, and he was a breath of fresh air into the Sean McVay offense. From the very first series, almost the very first play, it was clear that the LA Rams will look different this year. Sure, they have a strong defense and two of the best eight or ten players, depending on how you rank them in the NFL. Sure, Sean McVay is still a genius, but man, Stafford's arm strength and accuracy down the field makes all of that feel different. It just looks different in LA. Different even than the year they went to the Super Bowl, which we forget was just a couple of years ago. The other thing that's a win here for LA, and this may be silly to some, is the yellow pants. I know that seems weird, but clearly they worked. All the LA Rams players appeared to run faster and right past any Chicago Bears secondary member. Uh, On a more analytical note, I will say that it's wild to see what McVay offense will look like with more audibles late in the play clock. It looked like to me there was a lot more late decision-making before the snap by Matt Stafford than we ever saw out of Jared Goff. The word on Goff was always that he needed McVay in the headset to walk him through until the headsets were cut off. For the uninitiated, headsets do get cut off right before the plays are supposed to start. Uh, as the play clock winds down, the headsets click uh, are supposed to turn off and don't communicate any longer with the quarterback's helmet. And the rumor was always that Jared Goff needed that communication while he was on the field. Matt Stafford clearly does not. It appeared that he was able to take advantage of late rotations in the secondary and various coverages that were showing their hand in a way late in the clock that Jared Goff was never able to do in the McVay offense. And it's only week one. That's the first long series of game reps we got to see Matt Stafford running this offense that offense is only going to get better as the year goes on and that my friends is scary all right friends so our last grade is really a grade to a pair of people we're gonna give Peyton Manning an A and Eli Manning a B for their joint performance on Monday night football yes the brothers hosted monday night football and peyton gets an a eli gets a b 
Okay, so on Monday Night Football, the Manning brothers got to do a simulcast on ESPN2, and man, was it fun. Uh, For however many poorly called games there were on a given weekend, the Mannings have found their next calling. Sure, Romo was good, and yes, Greg Olson, it's worth mentioning, was really great in his debut in the Philly-Atlanta game, but man, this was a lot more fun. The duo was a lot of fun because... Well, it might not have been the first two people I'd pick to hear doing this during a game. Their brotherly chemistry did, in fact, add a good element. Where you might be able to pick two funnier analysts that have the combination of comedy and analysis, the brother aspect was important. What it really does for them is it plays into, using Peyton's strengths, the combination of comedy and that deep analysis. Without skipping a beat, the Manning brothers go from cracking jokes with Charles Barkley about the one day Charles Barkley decided to play football for a single 24-hour period to breaking down the various advantages that Baltimore gains in a run scheme with a puller out of this set and that formation against a particular coverage. That's awesome. Love to nerd out on football. That's a fun way to combine both things. It's the lightheartedness of the comedy throughout the game for us to all enjoy Monday Night Football with the hard-hitting analysis and deep cuts along the way, including things like a power run and gap run scheme versus a single high versus fourth down and all the guys line up. Like, all those things are a lot of fun. All right, so we're going to give a special bonus grade out here. We're going to give both Derek Carr and Brian Edwards, and I guess I should probably also throw in Darren Waller for a third, all A's for their performances on Monday Night Football, which has been going on in the background while I've been recording this Monday evening. So each of these guys gets an A, but I think I need to break it down one at a time. Obviously, Darren Waller had pure Madden video game type of night. 10 catches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he had a bajillion targets. I feel like every time they looked up that he was getting the ball thrown his way. Double coverage, triple grade, does not matter. So Darren Waller, obvious, obvious A. Brian Edwards, while he had a before-overtime fairly normal game for a wide receiver on their depth chart in, I keep wanting to say Oakland, but in Las Vegas, I got to say Brian Edwards gets an A because he had two huge catches the first early in the possession, and obviously the second for the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Two big, big catches for Brian Edwards. And then Derek Carr gets an A here because I honestly didn't know that was coming. I kind of had this on in the background the whole time I was recording. And I got to be honest, I thought they were going to kick a field goal, give the ball back to Lamar, and Lamar was going to run down their throat. And earlier in the game, I thought they were going to give the ball back to Baltimore and Lamar, and they were going to give it to Tucker to win the game. And earlier in the game, I just never contemplate I just didn't see this coming out of Derek Carr I can pick apart some of it on the film I even saw it just from you know glancing back and forth in the walkthrough there's some stuff that I think he's forcing the ball too much here or overthrowing it or underthrowing it there or whatever but all that pushed aside a to Derek Carr finishing Monday Night Football week one of the season with all the mistakes intact is not easy and so shout out to the Las Vegas Raiders well You know how some things sound too good to be true? Apparently, that's exactly what that segment was. As I'm recording that segment, the play is reviewed and the ball is down. Then you have a Alex Leatherwood penalty. False start bumps the ball back. Then you have an interception thrown by Derek Carr. 
So it seems like all of my A's are turning into B's and C's and D's as we go. I guess that gives me, or I should say, that serves me right for trying to do something relatively live. (laughs) Uh, As I'm speaking and recording now, Lamar Jackson has the ball and is starting his approach down the field. should be noted that they only have to get the ball inside, like, the 50-yard line for Tucker to be in range. So this one feels like a little bit of a wrap. Friends, that is another edition of F in Sports. Thank you for checking in on some NFL grades from the opening weekend. If you feel like we missed someone or someone we should have graded or you have some grade that we you think is questionable that we gave out, please be sure to let us know on Twitter. This show is on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we're at FNSports2. That's at F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, number two, all one word. On Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. Twitter's where you find us most active. Sometimes you see us posting clips or different snippets on the Instagram, but Twitter will be interacting a lot. Be sure to find us there on Twitter at F in sports too we'll also be sharing all of our buddy stuff and this kind of stuff all year long because here at up in sports when you're in the class you're a friend uh if you want hoops talk you're in luck we have another episode of midweek mid-range this wednesday night at nine o'clock eastern on youtube and instagram that's the midweek mid-range a weekly show which is all belly up basketball all the time uh it can be found on youtube and twitter at Midweek Midrange on Twitter and Instagram, Wednesday nights, 9 o'clock Eastern. Don't be afraid to pull up. As for me, you can find me and my personal stuff on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth512. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I'll be posting things on Twitter like uh, the things I've been writing lately, different shows I'm on. This show will be on there frequently. You'll also see things like when I take an L on sneakers or when I feel like talking about life as a sad sports fan between the Houston Rockets, Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, Houston Astros, and Texas Longhorns. Life can be a little bit hard. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, do all the wonderful things that help out the podcast, and whatever you do, please remember, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Bonus, bonus, bonus coverage here on FN Sports. So since I was last recording, it looks like Lamar Jackson has a fumble either caused or picked up by Carl Nassib. Want to shout out Carl Nassib for being a for being a Gold Star winner a few weeks back when he came out publicly as the first active NFL player to publicly be out as an openly gay man. That turnover, of course, leads to a Derek Carr bomb a couple of plays later for a big, big touchdown. Uh, the Las Vegas, keep wanting to say Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders went on to go cheer with the Black Hole and have a great time. Shout out to Las Vegas, I keep wanting to say Oakland. Shout out to Las Vegas and Derek Carr. I don't know where that grade ends up. I have to process. That's a lot. It's been a late night. Good night, folks.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.